Well, hi, everybody. It's the Week in the Tackle podcast, Friday show, extra bits, tidbits, dangly bits from the Friday Grumpy Pundits on Sirius XMFC. I'm Tom Rennie. Tim Horsey is with me. Um, still no Brian Dunseth. I mean, there are holidays. There are trips. W- where are we now? This is almost like around the world in 80 days. He's basically Phileas Fogg at this point. Yeah, I, I, I think he's just disappeared. Do we know? I think the Instagram stories have even gone down a little bit. You know, we talked about these last week where you couldn't even see the little line at the top of your phone. Those have seemed to dissipate. I, is he ever coming back? Like, I, I, we have to get to the, the point now. We have to ask the question, is Brian Dunseth ever coming back, not only to this podcast, but to the United States of America? I mean, there is a point. It's, everyone's been on like long trips, right? So when you come to like England, for example, or Europe, you're away for a long time. I went to America about four years ago, three years ago, and we were gone for like nearly five weeks, right? So we went to uh, Los Angeles and we went to New York and we went to San Diego and all over the country, right? So flying over the country, long haul trips, all this sort of thing, seeing as much as you possibly can. There was We were in San Francisco at like the end of sort of week four. And we were like, right, today we're going to see the Golden Gate Bridge and then we're going to go to Alcatraz. And we both sat down in our beautiful little boutique hotel and we sat down and we were just like, it. I don't want to go out anymore. Sorry, Tim. I don't know. I don't want, do you know what? I'm not going to go to the Golden Gate Bridge. I don't want to get our Alcatraz. I don't want to eat any chowder. I don't want I just, so we got pizza and we watched movies all day. And it was probably the best day of the trip because we were just so tired. And there comes a point in these long trips where you just, you don't want to see anymore. You want to have a purpose again in life. And I bet that's where Danny is now. That's why the Instagram stories have finished him. He's sure. probably destroyed his phone in a fit of peak because someone said, oh, should we go and see another museum? And he's like, museum? I just want to watch The Last of Us on my own in my bedroom. That's what he wants to do. Great show, by the way. If you're Great not show. watching it, please be watching it. Uh, Bill's Town next week. Can't wait. Uh, or I guess this coming Sunday as you're listening to this, if you listen to it on time. Um, I, it's funny, I, when I went to Ireland with my family a couple of years ago, uh, we kind of described it as not really a vacation, because the American terminology, vacation, holiday, what have you. Hmm. It was more of an adventure, where there were times where I can't even remember the exact details, but we spent one of the days in the car basically the entire time, kind of, well, we could take a three-hour detour to go see this one thing, and we decided to do that. And about halfway through that part of the day, which is only the first part of the day, we all went, that was a stupid idea. I don't know why we did that. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> and it ended up kind of being, there were, there were certain days towards the end of the trip as well. It didn't help that we started the trip. The first Airbnb we went to didn't have any power or water. So we yeah. were all disheveled at that point anyway. But it kind of got to a point where at the end of the trip, you were right. We're, we're traveling the entire country we're seeing, you know, cause you want to do the touristy things as well. That's why they're there for the, for the visitors. But there were some days where we were like, this is, let's just sit down at a pub and get some fish and chips and yeah. not think about anything uh, or, or think about traveling at all for a, at least 24 hours. I mean, he's made us really work for this podcast over really the last work. three or four weeks. Like it's meant to be a bit of knock around fun between the three of us. And I've had to get guests. Yeah. And I've had to like make phone calls and think think about the show beforehand. And I'm just I'm not into it, Tim. No. Really. I'm not into it. It's not what Wicking the Tackle is all about. No. It's, it it's 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 not the, the, the premise of the program. I, I look forward to Tom in the tackle uh coming out soon as a serious XM podcast. But until then, um get back to fing work, you lazy.
and I have to track these down as you're coming to me really quickly as well, just so I don't miss them. Uh, but I, I will tell the listeners because I have it on the calendar. We have everything, you know, to try and organize plans, what have you, weeks in advance with all the competitions coming back and MLS is starting up. I have my Dunny in Barcelona on my Google calendar. Apparently, he comes back in a couple weeks. Yeah. Apparently. But yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. We'll say. We'll say. Good luck editing out all the swears. Four swears. Uh, in this very short introduction to tidbits on Grumpy Pundit. So we had Keith Costigan uh, with me this week on Friday's program. Uh, Tim, how would you describe tidbits and would you like to introduce them? Sure, I'll introduce them. We had plenty of things. You guys were talking about Forest Green a little bit. Um, you were talking about, let's see, Serge Gnabry, I think, was was mentioned. Arsenal fans in Uganda being arrested for celebrating was mentioned. Oh, and there might have been a Tim Talks Balls. It's time for Tidbits on Grumpy Pundits. Yeah, time for some Tidbits now on Friday's Grumpy Pundit. Stories we thought were interesting across the last week, but not strong enough for a full section of today's programme, which has been pretty Everton-dominated. We are still waiting for confirmation of the Sean Dyche appointment. We've got unofficial confirmation of the Anthony Gordon transfer. Um, and we stick with Everton now at the start of Tidbits. Tom Money and Keith Costigan with you on this Friday, Grumpy Pundits. And I love this. I love this so much. We even did some actual work in the production of today's program and got the clip for you. Now, earlier this week, lots of speculation as to who the new manager of Everton was going to be. In the list was club legend and scary man... Duncan Ferguson. He has temporarily taken charge of the club previously, but he won't be in the backroom staff for Sean Dyche. Why? Because he's taken the job at Forest Green. Now, Forest Green, Forest Green Rovers, if you don't know them, are a club who pride themselves on their veganism, their vegan-only food menus, their renewable energy to run the stadium. Their boss, Dale Vince, he is the boss of a company called Ecotricity. Ecotricity? Eco? Ecro? Eco? It's an electric power company. Anyway, um, he also has funded Just Oil Protests, uh, which are a protest group trying to uh, wean the world off their use of, uh, of, of oil onto renewable energies. Anyway, so Dale Vince is at the Forest Green Rovers Stadium. They're in League One right now, so it's a, it's a real success story in terms of football. And he's unveiling Dun- Duncan Ferguson as his new manager. Now, in this interview, I just want you to envisage it. Dale Vince is a man of about 55, 60, who dresses like his 17 and Lenny Kravitz. Uh, he's got a massive scarf on him that covers his entire body. Um, his hair is kind of swept back in a kind of youthful way but as with most of us the front of the hair doesn't quite start as low as it once did Uh, mine goes all the way back to the crown these days he's standing next to duncan ferguson who is in a suit without a tie two buttons undone white pocket square they are both holding a burger they're both holding a burger during this conversation and duncan ferguson's thinking oh i am pretty peckish i might have a taste of this burger 
than this That's worse exchange. than my Sean Dyche. I do <laughs> want to put that on record. That is that worse was my than my Sean Dyche. That was my Dyche. <laughs> if he ever went to Glasgow over the weekend. That's terrible. Um, uh, That's terrible. <laughs> and this is the exchange that follows. Have you ever tried vegan food? I don't think I ever have, no. no but chips I'm, uh, are vegan. I will do. Chips as well, yeah. yeah. Ch- chips are vegan. No, they are vegan. So you've oh, okay. Yeah, All right, okay. Um, chairman, I've just managed to rustle up a couple of vegetarian <laughs> burgers to, 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 to show Duncan. <laughs> Dun- I'm, uh, Duncan, I don't want you to bite into one uh, on camera, but what do you think? Looks lovely, doesn't it? Very nice indeed. I'll look forward to eating that later. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in serious terms, you make sure that the players pre-match... Post-match, yep. home and away, yep. eat vegan yep. food. Yep. Is that still the case? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, Really, it's a, it's a broader policy than that. As a club, all of the food that we serve to anyone, players, staff and fans, is plant-based, no animal products. Just that. And, Duncan, are you a big environmentalist? Do you try to you, you recycle? You do all that sort of stuff? I, 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 we try at home, yeah. Obviously, I need to do a lot more, as we all do, because, yeah. you know, the, 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 the earth is, is warming up, isn't it? So we need, we need oh. to all do our bit. Since I've, oh. I've come here, I'm sure, uh, I'm yeah. sure I'll, I'll learn a lot more. <laughs> The air is warming Just up, isn't it? You know, it's getting warmer, eh? <laughs> Just an that incredible is... exchange. Oh, I love it. I love oh. the interviewer's kind of segue out in all seriousness. Uh, like, no, there's no seriousness in no. this interview. But oh. can you? I, I would have loved to have had a printout of the inner monologue of Duncan Ferguson right then. Yes. Which is like, we don't want you to eat it, but what do you think? It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's kind of a big part of knowing. Don't eat the, it. Uh, it, looks, it. It looks great. Eh? It looks really oh. good. Ah, yeah, really good down the middle there. Eh? There's so much to love about that interview, which was on Sky Sports News on uh, on Thursday when he was unveiled. Firstly, oh, chips are vegan was excellent. That's just an excellent, <laughs> excellent response. Because I mean. So I'll tell you this, why I find this really interesting, is that I'm a vegetarian, right? So I don't eat meat, and I've tried veganism, but it's just not possible. I don't think it's practical. And so I've come to this position where as long as the animal survives, I'm happy. I'm happy to consume it. So as long as there was no murder in the making of the thing that I'm consuming, that's about where I've been able to settle on it. So I've not gone as far as Dale Vince and as far as uh, the Forest Green uh, Rovers players have to. But so often... And my, my wife's um, gluten-free as well as I need gluten. So it's a whole thing. We go to, we're terrible at parties. No one invites us around for dinner anymore. Um, but you go to things and you really, because you're thinking about it all the time, you're right across it. But people don't care and people don't know. And, you know, um, there's an ignorance of it, which in a, in a positive way, because why would you know? Why would you care? And you do sit down and sometimes think, like, my wife doesn't eat gluten. And someone will say to her, but do you eat chips? And she'll say to him, yeah, but wh- where would the gluten be in the chips? Like, but why would they think it? And I do, I feel sorry for Duncan because he's probably never thought about that in his yeah, entire yeah. life. Got the job and he was like, I can't find a pie anywhere. What's going on deal? Yeah. No, it's like, it's like, here's the way I plan on playing. Uh, you know, we're going to have a, Duncan, forget about that. Vegan. What do you think? What do you think of this burger? What do you think it looks like? Uh, what on earth is going on? Um, it's, but what I loved about the picture of the owner and Duncan was, Dunk, as you mentioned, how, how he was dressed. But the owner didn't take his gloves off to shake his hand. <laughs> so it's just this awkward, like, it just looks... And it's not like a regular glove. It's like a mitt, like like a four-year-old kid would have. So there's no fingers in it. So it's just, yeah, the, the whole... The whole se- Do you think this works long-term? This time next year is Duncan Ferguson, Forest Green Rovers manager. No, 
Not a chance. <laughs> not a chance on this earth Duncan Ferguson's going to make it beyond this season. I think they're bottom or second bottom of League One. But what will happen is he'll get them safety and to celebrate, he'll take them to McDonald's. And that'll be the end of it. <laughs> Classic uh, burger party post-game, and that's why I'll get sacked. <laughs> there's, amaz- nice. there's some amazing responses to this, and I've loved a couple of these. The first one, it only really works with the image, but again, it's essentially budget Lenny Kravitz and middle Glasgow estate agent vibes. And someone said it looks a little bit like Duncan Ferguson's the local MP and has gone down to, <laughs> to have a conversation with the, le- the local uh, eco-warrior, <laughs> which I think is an excellent... <laughs> It's an excellent uh, image to put in people's heads. Um, another one, there's no way Duncan Ferguson knows what a vegan is. He seems like someone who'd punch broccoli, which I can see. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, Duncan Ferguson learning chips are vegan. This is a football heritage clip. And a third adds, um, Ferguson's a raw steak man. He is a raw steak man. He, oh, is, well, a, he yeah, is a I man that 100%. eats the raw steak. Yeah, yeah. no way. Uh, anyway, loved that. Love everything about it. We're going to be right across the <laughs> the Duncan Ferguson, uh, Forest Green veganism transformation over the next few weeks. Do you have any tidbits? What have you got for us? I got nothing. I, I literally told that you... No, I was... Uh, Marcus messaged me and he said, it's tidbits. And I said, who am I doing the show with? He said, to, I'm like, I do not need anything. You are Fine. a wealth of knowledge when it comes... Take, take this the right way, please. A wealth of knowledge when it comes to meaningless stories within the game that are absolutely hilarious. So I consider this like I'm sitting back eating popcorn. Hit me, entertain me. First one's good. I know you can do better. I'm I'm pleased because some people, because we have lots of guest hosts, some people like to really get involved in tidbits. Other people like to come along for the ride. So I like to know. Some would have had a pre-show production meeting, but that's not how we do things here on this program. We we respond live to things that are happening. Um, Here's another one for you, which I absolutely love. Um... So I watched an amazing interview this week, and it was about the 1999 Champions League win for Manchester United. And it was a competition. The first part of this film was amazing. So they go to people on the streets of Manchester, you know, Vox Popping, which is the worst thing about all kind of news broadcasting. And if you've ever done Vox Pops, it's the worst job. It's the worst job. Um, And then cutting together Vox Pops to like, right, the story is um, Boris Johnson is a garbage human. We need one person to say he's amazing, one person to say he's garbage, and one person to say they don't know. And you stand outside Euston Station for hours saying, excuse me, madam, uh, can I ask you a question about Boris Johnson? And I have done this for hours on end to get the appropriate responses for appropriate balance. Um, In the movie I watch, they said to people in Manchester, can you name the starting 11 for the 1999 Manchester United Champions League win? Um, And this is incredible. Pretty much everybody got all the big names. Most people listening will know the big names. They'll know David Beckham and they'll know uh, Peter Schmeichel, Gary Neville, Yap Stam, Dennis Irwin, Dwight York, Andy Cole. Everyone in this clip forgot one of the names. Keith, can you tell me the name of the player that literally nobody got? And they asked person after person after person after person. He won the Champions League with Man United on maybe their most famous ever day. But nobody could name this player. I'm going to guess. I don't know why it's in my head and I might have the wrong air. Ronnie Johnson? Ronnie Johnson would have been a right answer. But people did say Norway legend Ronnie Janssen. So he was oh, actually 
often remembered. He's not the player that nobody remembers. Wow. Uh, so Dennis Irwin played. Dennis, Dennis Irwin, well. yes, yes. Dennis Irwin, yes. Neville, uh, who started the game up front because Teddy, uh, Andy Cole and Dwight York started because Teddy and Ole came on. Yep. So it's, it's got to be a midfielder. Concept this player came gone. off the field for Teddy Sheringham during the game. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. And I don't want to. Answer, I don't want to be that guy. I could easily just try like look up the team, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The answer: No one in Manchester got this, so Key shouldn't feel bad about not getting this. I didn't get this when they were doing it on the TV show because it went on to be a documentary about this individual, Jesper Blumquist. Oh wow! Jesper Blumquist started the Champions League final for Manchester United, Swedish international, um, and he got taken off in the 67th minute. Nobody could remember that he won the Champions League with Man United in Manchester. And there's an incredible documentary um, on Jesper Blomqvist's career post-football. He runs a bunch of businesses in Sweden. He opened a bunch of restaurants um, that uh, are kind of like upmarket kind of Italian cuisine places. But he's actually more known in Sweden now for his cooking than he is for his football because he won... Sweden celebrity master chef. No. And he's an amazing I love story- chef. I love stories like that. I love stories like I love to hear about players doing something completely outside the box. Like I mean, this time next year when Duncan Ferguson's opening his third vegan restaurant in Glasgow, I'm going to be the one that's there saying, "Well done Duncan. You've you've bought upon what Forest Green are trying to do." I want to see players jump outside the box more. I would have never guessed Jasper Blomqvist. I would have never guessed he'd go on that career path, obviously. I love that. That's a great story to hear that he's like I, gone completely away from the game. I mean, he's basically like a kind of a massive celebrity in Sweden, mainly because of what he did on MasterChef. Um, and now he opened restaurants off the back of being in MasterChef. Um, but also he's training to be a sommelier which is your guy in the restaurant that picks out the fancy wines for you. And it also led me to something, which I actually did in a place called Grassa in France. If you ever go to France, go to Grassa, right? Because they do this thing where you basically make your own perfume. So you go there and they've got hundreds, thousands of bottles of different perfumes and you're there and someone's trying to advise you on how to make a kind of... And I'm, I'm telling you this because it's so hard to be a sommelier. I mean, it's so hard to like... When they explain to you when they match the wine with the dish, it's it's almost unfollowable the way they get. Do you there. think but you could blag you it? Something. Do you think you could blag it? Do you think you could blag it? I I think you could blag it if I was the customer. <laughs> you could yeah. definitely blag, I, I, blag I, it. I feel like I feel like I feel like in certain places you could be like, yeah, seems good. Yeah, that that. But that I went to well. a back when uh, I was a blag, eating. I went a to a. I went to a Marcus Waring restaurant who presents MasterChef over here at uh, the Berkeley Hotel in London. And this guy gave me this red wine that matched the beef that I was eating. And it was un- the match was unbelievable. So when someone's done it for you properly, you kind of don't, uh, you, you kind of, you know when there's a blagger and there's not. Anyway, in Grassa, you make a perfume. I made a perfume with these smells, um, which I then gave to the sommelier because I was going <laughs> to give it to my wife as a present. smells. It's, it, that's what they are. They are. They're called smells in the bottles. And you, <laughs> they give you the smells and then you make the perfume with the smells. And I gave it to the um, the nose, they call them. And I was like, oh, have a smell of this. And she, I called it like um, Funky Pop Spice Bomb. 
because it was a bunch of like fragrant and spicy flavours. She told me it was the worst perfume anyone had made in the 35 years she'd worked there. Um, Do you not think, it, though? So on that, is, 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 your, is your perfume supposed to be unique? Like, like yes. Is she like, that smells like Dave's from last week. I'm like... Well, I, I mean, don't know they, how unique you can make at it. At some stage, yeah, at some stage, if you're smelling different perfumes, like it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. At this point, it's just all gone into one big smell. I, I don't know but how then, you could do that job long term. But here's the other interesting final bit on this weird anecdote that I've gone off on. That there are only certain people in the world who can be top-level perfume makers, and they all go through Grasser to train. Because there's certain like receptors inside your nose, which mean that only maybe like how twenty or thirty people this? in the world. Because this is what they told us at how the Grasser Museum. How do they, oh, oh, that's what they told. I could if, if I'm starting a museum. I mean, how did they like my nose receptors? Have you ever heard of the nose receptor test? Yes, I did it. No, oh, I did. The, I did no. the nose receptor test, and they put under your nose a bunch of like things, uh, you know, whatever the smells. And you're like, can you identify what it is? And can you get the notes of it? And is it high? Is it low or whatever? And you're like, oh, I don't know. Or everything just I smells feel like, like this, like dupe to me. <laughs> I feel like this this place had tourists in there. They're like, hey, we got we got a guy from England in here, Tom Rennie. Apparently, a big deal on, on uh, TV and radio. Oh yeah, um, big deal. What, what way can we get more money out of him? Uh, I don't know. Uh, nose receptor test. Nose. Re- yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just. He'll buy it. He'll buy it. It's uh, 50 euros for the nose receptor test. Oh, honey, let's do that. No chance. Anyway, I don't believe it. Well, there you go. Test. If you ever go to Grasa, to Gallimard in France. Don't get um, the nose receptor test. Don't get the nose receptor test. But you will find a lot about becoming, and a lot of this is why I bring it up back to Jesper Blumquist, is because when people fail at being perfume makers, of which there's like 20 or 30 elite perfume makers in the world. So if you've got the new Britney Spears fragrance, it came through Grasser in the same way you might buy a fancy, a fancy aftershave for, for a gentleman. Um, if they fail at that, often they go on to become sommeliers because it doesn't mean they haven't got a good nose. It just means they haven't got the elite level of nose receptors it takes to make a perfume. There you go. Elite nose receptors. Just elite nose it. receptors. But you know who'd buy this? Tippets. Mashiri. Mashiri would buy this. <laughs> He would buy the guy. Hey, you know what? He was 50 million, but he's got the best nose receptors you've ever seen. Oh, my God. There's one born. Get him on the day. phone. Hello, Ki- <laughs> Kia? Kia, get fired on the phone for me. Let's, let's make it work. Yeah. Um, I've got so many more tidbits. I've got about 20 more tidbits for you. And also, we have arranged a special guest for tidbits today as well. It's time for Tidbits on Grumpy Pundits. Yeah, some more tidbits now on Grumpy Pundits. More stories we thought were interesting over the past week, but not strong enough for a full section of today's programme. Tom Rennie and Keith Costigan with you today. Um, We have a lot of fun during the breaks, I've got to say, on the programme. Some would say it's better than the programme itself. Um, (laughs) But I, I feel as if we can't, Keith, waste your excellent sketch of uh, Duncan Ferguson being fired at Forest Green. Don't waste it on me, Marcos and Brian. The world needs to hear this incredible scene. So let, let, let's, let, let's set it. It's, it's eight months from now. It's a conversation between Dale Vince and, and Duncan Ferguson. What happens next? Well, I, I just feel like Dunk walks in the office. Uh, he's like, all right, boss, 10 wins in a row, eh? 
And the owner says, Duncan, we've got to let you go. Well, what, what do you mean? You've been eating meat on the bus again, haven't you? Hey, just a bit of jerky, lads. <laughs> and he's done. So, um, <laughs> I, I mean, the just mere fact that he's not allowed. Just a bit of jerky really got me. Just that, a bit I struggled through the read there. That was very good. <laughs> <laughs> just a bit of jerky. I can see the whole scene. I'm watching it in my mind's eye. Amazing. I hope it all comes to fruition. <laughs> I hope it does. Um, a couple of other tidbits for you now. I've got to read you this one. This was amazing last week. Um, it was reported in the BBC uh, by Africa correspondent for the BBC, uh, Jacobs Adongo Seaman. I assume Arsenal fan because of the content of the story. Um, at least eight Arsenal fans have been arrested in the Ugandan city of Jinja after celebrating the club's win against Manchester United in the Premier League. The fans were wearing the club's red jersey and parading around the streets carrying a symbolic trophy. (laughs) Police said they didn't have a permit to hold a procession through the streets, which is a public order offence. And so they were all arrested and taken to jail for the evening. Um, The result gave the Gunners, as we know, a five-point cushion at the top of the Premier League table. The Arsenal fans were travelling in a convoy of five vehicles on Monday morning when they were intercepted by the police. One of them was carrying a trophy they'd bought at a local store, (laughs) which I assume is like a best player at five-a-side this week trophy, as opposed to a a model of the Premier League. Um, Arsenal fan Baker Kasuli is quoted in the Daily Monitor News saying... I don't know what we've done, but we were simply celebrating our victory over local rivals Manchester United. James Mooby, the regional police boss and self-declared Arsenal fan, told the BBC he'd not reviewed the fans' charges, but wondered why they were celebrating when only half the matches of the season had been played. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it would be, I feel like it would be presumptuous to be like, should we get a permit? For a procession this weekend, yes. just in case we win. You're not going to book it. You're not going to get a permit. Oh, that That is uh, typical Arsenal fans as well, by the way. At yes, any that club, is true. I would predict Arsenal fans would do it. It doesn't matter what continent, what country, um, Arsenal fans, um, I think we can all agree, deserve to be in prison. No, that's not true. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I love this story because, I mean, as you know, I work for Premier League Live, uh, Talk Sport, and, and we do our Premier League coverage here. But we also broadcast. We've got partners in Nigeria and Ghana and Kenya and, and Uganda, actually. They may have been listening to us. I don't know. Um, but the incredible love that fans have for like the Premier League, it, it really genuinely is incredible. And I've no doubt how heartfelt the celebrations were following a victory. Uh, over Man United. And I love the fact as well, they're probably the two most popular clubs in Uganda. And so, you know, it, just always, it always makes me feel a bit weird about it that, like, this weird little game of football played between one team in North London yeah. and one team in Manchester caused eight people to be arrested in Uganda. I, I love things like this. Uh, what else have we got here? Oh, here's one. I've got to bring in this. I, I've got to, This was mad, this, right? So, do you know what the white card does? Have you heard of the white card? No, I, I've, I've, heard, I've I heard something about this story. It was something to do with an injury on the field or something, right? <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So, football history, so says the Daily Mail, was made last Saturday when a white card was brandished for the first time in a professional game in Portugal. Fans, of course, used to Red and yellow cards, it says in the article. Yes, we are. Thank you, Daily Mail. Um, 
And they've been in play since the 1970 World Cup, which I didn't realise. So before that, I didn't know that there either, was no yeah. yellow and red. But 1970's World Cup was the first time they used the cards. Well, Portugal has now introduced a third colour as part of a series of new initiatives in the country. It was used in the Women's Cup match between Sporting Lisbon and Benfica in Lisbon. And it came after someone on the bench in the dugouts reportedly felt unwell during the first half. So the white card is used in order to encourage fair play and is designed to improve ethical value in sport. So basically, the white card in Portugal in this particular women's game is being used for a stoppage to indicate everyone must stop playing now because something has happened that's not to do with the game. So in the Premier League, for example, they might use it for head injuries. So one of the worst things about football right now is the amount of people that fake head injuries. It genuinely, and I I know it's tidbits here, but it makes me furious. You know, we've we've spoken to Dawn Astor on this program, who is a tireless campaigner for looking after footballers after her uh, father passed away. And it was proven in the post-mortems, in post, that it was heading the football over a period of years that led to... Um, the degeneration of his brain, basically. And it's happened to a lot of other players. There's lots of um, older players that have had Alzheimer's. So I think this is a really serious subject, actually. And I think it's a great thing that football has started to react to head injuries properly. And now in professional football and the Premier League, certainly, people would have realised that when there's a head injury, the referee is obliged now to stop the game and take it seriously. I think that's a great thing. Um, But there are times this season where... Players have lied. Players have lied about having a head injury to stop the play. Now, we're used to players lying to us constantly in football matches because they do whatever they can to get ahead. And though I don't agree with it and I don't like it, I can understand it. There's a lot on the line. You do whatever you can to win. You know, Neymar rolling around 500 times is a, a very extreme example. But players have faked injuries forever. But there was one I saw in the season. It happens all the time. But it was Pedro Neto playing for Wolves against Arsenal when he was not injured. He did not take a blow to the head. But they had to stop the game because of a head injury. And if you get caught, I think, faking a head injury, you should get a 10-game ban, if not more. I'd take that very seriously if I was the authorities, especially now as we have to do it. Um, but the white card, I, I, you know, I, I didn't see the video of it. I've just read the story and seen the stills. But the white card for stop the game, we've had a problem. I don't know. I don't think it's as stupid as it first seems. What do you think? Yeah, it's as stupid as it first seems. It's comp- <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like, what's just stopping us? Stop. Hang on a minute, guys. The white card is out. I'm stopping for sure now. It's, I mean, you're just adding in a layer that you, I wonder, now that you mention it, though, I wonder, was that the feeling in 1970? When they're like, we're going to bring in a yellow mm. card and a red card. Where we'll people are like, oh, you don't need a yellow and red card. You just, the referee can tell you, blah, blah, blah. But I don't, I don't get it. And I'm just curious as to the faking the head injury is very difficult to prove. You need somebody who, a little bit like the nose receptor test, who has the ability <laughs> to look at your head and go, he is fine. He is completely fine. So it's just so ambiguous with I, I do. I'm with you. I hate players that fake it because mm. we want to make sure players who get head injuries are, are treated in the right manner. But the white card, I'm giving it the red card. That's probably the oh most dear. I've ever said. Oh, on, uh, dear. On radio. I'm sorry I'm, I went I'm, there. 
But you've just you know, lost your fee for the show. I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's such a shame. But it deserved. I think we can anyway. all agree. That's true. It wasn't going to pay your mortgage. Let's face it. Um, no. Apparently, the white card has been something they've spoken about previously at UEFA level. Um, Michel Platini, remember him? Lovely guy. Called for the introduction of a white card as a punishment for dissent. Um, and that would have been his sin bin colour. So he wanted to bring the sin bin in, which I actually quite like uh, as a thing. I do like that. I do like that. And then he was, that was going to be white card. Um, but it's now for coach who feels sick, apparently. Um, a couple of the quick ones for you. I wanted to read you this because I thought it was quite cool, but there's nowhere to really go with it. Um, Gareth Bale, retired now. What's he going to do? <laughs> he's going to play golf, isn't he? Of course he's going to play golf. Uh, former Wales captain Gareth Bale has said he's going to play at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am golf event in February. Um, and he's going to be playing alongside professionals and other celebrities in the event starting on the 2nd of February in California. Posting on the gram, delighted to announce I'll be playing at the AT&T Pebble Beach. Let's go, says Gareth Bale. He'll be playing alongside people like the great Bill Murray and Aaron Rodgers, who I'm told plays catch, um, and US Open champion Matt Fitzpatrick uh, and other players as well. So Gareth Bale going to be mixing it with the pros and the famed celebrity golfers at the, uh, the Pro-Am coming up. Did, did you see this? John Ram, who uh, I think just won last week. He might be world number one or in and around world number one. Played mm. with Gareth Bale and he, he, he did an interview and he was saying it shouldn't be... It, it, it's not okay to be this good at golf. He can't be that good at two different sports. So he was singing the praises of Gareth. And if anybody, you know, John obviously doesn't watch football very much because he knows that Gareth has been focused on golf for about seven or eight years now. And that's why he's got good. But look good for him. Gareth is still a young guy. Uh, he can do what he wants. He doesn't have to live his yeah. life because of, for any Real Madrid fan or any of us, he's enjoying himself. And I mean, this is pretty epic. We're all excited to watch it. I'm, I'm excited. Actually excited to see him play. I really am. As sad as that sounds as well. I'm excited to see Gareth Bale play golf. I mean, there's a few players that when they've retired went on to be pro golfers. Julian Dix did it, but he retired. Do you remember him in a tournament? Do you remember him in a tournament? Well, no, I didn't watch golf that much then. I don't think he made the (laughs) tour or anything, but he did try to be a professional golfer. But the the amazing thing about Julian Dix is that uh, he quit football because his knees couldn't take it. Right, and he never looked after himself, Julian. But also, he got bad bad fortune with his knees. Maybe twenty years later, he might have played a bit longer. Uh, and as a sidebar for that, if you ever want to watch the funniest testimonial ever, uh, watch Julian Dick's testimonial at the bowling ground against Athletic Club to Bilbao, where there's three red cards and two punch ups. Uh, ju- testimonial was meant two, to be and a, a white card, a, two, and a white card, <laughs> and a white card for Julian's knees. Um, but of course, you're not going to be a pro golfer. <laughs> How do you, your knees have gone. You can't be a pro golfer if your knees have gone. It's not the crucial element to golf. It's arms and knees. That's what there is. And without it, you couldn't do it. But uh, needless to say, it didn't quite work out. One final one, and then we're going to bring our guest on, which I think is worth the wait. Uh, And I wanted to go to your your football knowledge on this. Great video this week of a game between Oxford, uh, United, Nipswich Town in League One. Um, So it was last Saturday, but I didn't see this doing the rounds till midweek. Oxford won 2-1. But a bunch of fans were all posting videos of the game because the fog was so thick you couldn't see the game. And there's a great headline on ESPN writing up the game, which was, if a player scores and no one can see it, is it a goal? Uh, Which I thought was fantastic. (laughs) Ever been to a game where you couldn't see what was happening? No. No, I I did one game. I did Preston against Arsenal in the FA Cup. And 
there's that that fog comes in a little bit later there as well. So it was like the 5:30 uh, p.m. kickoff, and it was bad, but never to the levels of you know. I, I I saw a clip of the video, never to the levels where I'm like, what's going on? I mean, surely the referee has to just step in in that instance, right? Or is it like? Does he just only get his fee if, like, the game is complete? He's like, I'm getting through this, no matter what. <laughs> Ten minutes to go, and I've, I've paid to be in Oxford on a Saturday. My parkings cost more than my fee. That's what referees get, unfortunately, so I'm not calling this off. Um, it's well worth a look if you can, uh, and we might talk about that another day as well, because uh, I, I love the fact they kept playing on, but no one could see. What was the game? It was a famous game. Might have been a cup final uh, that Chelsea were in, and the, the play got pulled off of fog. Um, but no one told the goalkeeper. So he stayed out on the field for like 25 more minutes thinking no one's had a shot in a while. I stayed well, you know what I hate? I hate to bring up, you know what would not work in, in thick fog is a white card. Like red might That's stand true. out, yellow might stand out. A white card, you'd be like, what? Like I, it just blends in. So again, if the physio another, is sick, you've got negative. no chance in the fog. Yeah, yeah, you're, uh, you're, you're done. I do have a bunch more tidbits, but I'm out of time with mine. The good news is um, I got a press release this week. And it was about a new ball. And I love a new ball. I think we can all agree there's a, there's a real delight that we all get when a new ball is released. And we used to have a producer here called Tim Horsey. He went off to a much worse show than this. Um, oh, wait to spend some time in bed and see his girlfriend and his dog. Pathetic. Uh, so he's gone off to another <laughs> programme now. But whenever a new ball is released, we wanted to get him back on the programme. Tim Horsey is with us. Tim, how are you, mate? You're right. Welcome back Whoa. to Grumpy Pundits. Can we get him a yeah, round I mean, of applause? No. Oh, thank, thank you, Keith. Yeah, you guys had to wake me up. I would still be <laughs> sleeping at this point, usually, based on my new schedule. But I, I have to do it for the Grumpy Pundits listeners. I said I would come back, and Tom can speak to this. Tom and I both got about 45 tweets with this press release when it came out <laughs> saying we, we need Tim Talks Balls back, so I'm happy to oblige. So, we're heading towards, we're hurtling towards the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. And the great news is, a new ball has been released. But what are the details of this ball? Well, we can find out right now in a recurring segment, whenever Tim can be bothered to turn up, that we call Tim Talks Balls. Adidas has revealed Oshun's the official match ball of the FIFA Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. It's the ninth successive football Adidas has produced for the FIFA Women's World Cup and has been designed to cope with the demands and speed of the modern game. Oceans. Set on a white pearlescent background, Oshun's design features a decoration of blues and greens inspired by the unique Australasian landscape with visuals nodding to the vast mountains of New Zealand and Australia's connection with the Indian Ocean. White, pleasant background. (laughs) The cultural markings and the initials of both host nations celebrate the coming together of Australia and New Zealand as they prepare to host this showpiece tournament. The Australian patterns have been created by renowned local artist Cherney Sutton, while the markings representing New Zealand were designed by Kiwi artist Fiona Carls. White, pleasant background. <laughs> Oceans is also decorated 
with patterns that represent different elements of the sport, such as footballs and goals, ensuring the game is represented on the face of the ball. White pleasant background. <laughs> I White love this stupid show. Background. Oh my god. <laughs> Tom Tom, you, you would have had me if you would coming together. That would have gotten me. Oh. That would have gotten me. Oh, that was too much. I've never heard the word pleasant before, but it's my favorite word now. I love everything about it. Tim, excellent work. Thank you for coming back for a Tim, Tim Talks Balls. <laughs> Great work. More Tim Talks Balls. Whenever you see a ball, if you see a ball in your daily life and it's a new ball, let us know on at SiriusXMFC. Tweet us immediately and we'll bring back uh, Tim Talks Balls. One thing we do always do is our producer gives us a tidbit at the end of tidbits. Here's the jingle. As done live. Marcos, 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 Marcos has a tidbit, has a tidbit. Oi! I'm not sure if it really works too much after what we just heard right now. It's a little bit difficult to bring <laughs> in. No you know, following that, Marcos. Serge Gnabry being at like Fashion Week in Paris and how he's not going to start tomorrow. Who really cares? I mean, that was well, a work good. of art right there. But that's yeah, he was at tidbit. Fashion Week. Apparently, uh, Byron played last Saturday, tied 1 1 against Leipzig. And then on Sunday, he went to Paris uh, Fashion Week and it was. Not uh, not um, not very liked by upper management there in Bayern Munich called amateurish. He's going to be on yeah. the bench tomorrow. Good. So he should be. On the upside, though, I think Bayern are still going to win the league, so that should be fine. Um, they, they might. They might. Week in the Tackle is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Want more grumpy pundits? Listen weekdays from 9 to noon Eastern on SiriusXM FC, Channel 157, and on the SXM app. 